There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Going Off Track. We have an amazing episode for you today. I am, as always, Stephen Smith, joined by our audio guru, The Brad. Waka, waka, waka. See, I added the modifier on it this time. <laughs> the Brad. Uh, people's producer, Michael Kanjemi. Hello. He's also a new dad. Yeah. And rock journalist extraordinaire, Jonah Bear, who has a piece out in Filter Magazine. He interviewed Jason Sudeikis. Yes. Yeah. Um, Feature Jason Sudeikis. He was super awesome. And... You should check him out in East Bound and Down. Was he super dickish? <laughs> did you see the first episode of East Bound and Down? I did. I got to see it really early, actually, because of this interview. They gave me a screener. It is probably one of the crassest things I've ever seen. It's incredible. And his character, that Shane character, is so great. I totally so heightened to, like, to kind of match yeah. Danny McBride's energy. I think it's so great. Mike, Brad, do you guys watch East Bound and Down? I've seen, like, the first two or three. Yeah, I just started watching it, actually. There aren't that many episodes. You should just sit down and watch them all because it's really incredible. It's, it's amazing. Ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, my hick uh, cousin from Tennessee was the one that actually turned me on to it. It's like, you got to see this show, man. It's really fun. <laughs> Danny McBride is He's a genius. Hilarious. I Although I did just watch uh, a bad movie that he co-wrote, Your Highness. I watched Your Highness, dude. <laughs> this is one of those where I was like, Natalie Portman fucking signed on for this I thing. I liked your highness. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of parts that I liked, but then I was like, I could see there's so much more I wanted to happen, and I loved where it was going, and I loved the theme to it. But yeah. like, I don't know. I, I just love the fact that everyone had a bad British accent. I was like, oh fuck. Well, I like, love. Here's the thing. Great. I also love James Franco too, and I like, of course, Danny McBride. But it's like the whole the movie's called Your Highness. I was like, there's way not enough pot smoking in it for it to be called Your Highness either. Like, they only smoke pot, like, once with the troll in the movie. I love that part with the troll. There was a lot of funny in it, but it was he, too, it was, like, He wants us to hours. jerk him yeah. off. It was too long. Yeah, it was way too long. Yeah, it was pretty, and I thought it ended really shitty. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember I, how it by ended. By the end, I was drunk. I didn't really realize what was going on. I was just like, this movie can't as, keep as, going. As nerdy as I am, there is a prequel comic book that Danny McBride wrote. I don't know who drew it, but really? you can find it, yeah. Do you have it? No. I haven't been able to afford comic books since the children were born. So. They put, like, money in that movie, though, too, man. You could tell, Dude, like, they, like, really worked on that shit. So much special effects. Oh, Justin Thoreau was amazing. Yeah. He was great. And you, you, you do that good in a Danny McBride flick, and you get to uh, sleep with Jennifer Aniston. So well done. Yeah. Um, today's show, here's a great segue. No, uh, <laughs> talking about comedy, we have wonderful comedy writer, book writer, podcast host, Julie Klausner. 
Uh, Julie Kloster uh, has done a lot of comedic work. She's written for some shows that are infused, uh, written for a number of comedy shows. But she's here to talk about the monkeys. Yes. We like we really went off track on this one. It went <laughs> it went two directions. I had no idea. And then she kinda of turned the tables and started asking us questions, which was a lot of fun. That always works. Yeah, until until uh I forced Mike's hand into revealing his superpower. My my yeah, Don't don't release don't it yet. Let, let people listen to it. Super X Men power. She was kinda of into it though. Yeah. I thought I'm, she was cool. Yeah. I'm and, part of the shitty X Men. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do anything but you know. Uh, Julie has an amazing book out now. You can grab it. I've had it for a while. Uh, it is called I Don't Care About Your Band. Thank you, Jonah. You're welcome. I was going to screw it up again, and we'd have to re-record the intro for the third time. <laughs> Wait, what? We don't do that. Re-record stuff. Uh, Julie's podcast is called How Is Your Week? This I Know. And Jonah, you've been to a live taping. I have not been to a live you haven't. taping. Which but... live taping have you been to? Oh, you've been to WTF. I've been to uh, Best Show on WFMU. Oh, right on. Uh, which she's done. But Vanessa has been to on her show and Said she had a great time. She tells us all about the live taping she does and all the cool things. And her podcast is blowing up, as they say in the podcast world. So, I wait. I totally got confused. I have been to the live taping. Yeah, I thought you meant a taping of like a live taping of her doing her podcast like at her house. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, live taping means a live show, which would yeah. totally make sense and is the <laughs> clearest way to ask that question. I totally misinterpreted it. <laughs> and we've talked about me going and yes, um, yes, I have been to that. Great. <laughs> oh, here's Julie. She's just the coolest. It's going on. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's really, really awesome. Cool. Of course. I bought this book for my you wife, had? like, like last year. That's awesome. Well, I read a review of it, and I was like, my wife will totally do this. Your wife sounds like a, a lady with a class and distinction. What? <laughs> <laughs> I've done some class in this. I love, I love it. So, so when Jonah told me what we you agreed to come in, I, I yeah. grabbed it. Oh, that's and awesome! Started reading it, and I had it's so funny. I had all intentions of uh, I have twin baby girls. Oh, so dude! Forgive me if I don't. If I haven't if finished it, but full disclosure, the... <laughs> I, was, I have an hour train ride to get here, and I was like, I have the book. I'm gonna go. Yeah, right? yeah. See some. Hey, see somebody I know. He wants to sit and chat the entire time. Oh, Jesus. Like, That's the worst. <laughs> and I guess it's not the worst, but it's kind of the worst. The backstory is he, he and my wife ride the same train every day, uh, and they have this rule that they don't sit and talk to each other. Oh, they do? And he's very... But you un- guys don't have that rule yet. Apparently, I thought we did. No. <laughs> you, never, you never discuss the rule with him, though. And as we leaving, I'm like, this is unprecedented. You didn't shut up the entire time. You actually said that to him? I did. No, did no, it I hurt was... his feelings? No, no, he's tough. Good. I think if you're, if you, you're friends with Steven, you learn how to take that kind of stuff and <laughs> yeah. not be offended. <laughs> it's it's better than being passive-aggressive, yeah. arguably. Yeah. That's I what mean, I am. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, we're just diving in, which is good. Yeah. Uh, are we recording? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Exciting. I just realized that's boxed water, and that looks... Milky. <laughs> you wanna, you ever, like, do you know what it is? Well, it's just it's water, water yeah. but it, I, I imagine you can't drink it without thinking of milk. Um, well, it's funny when you don't know what it is and you see somebody like, yeah. up on stage drinking it. Like, really? <laughs> like, what's milk? wrong with that person? Like or, organ- like uh, generic milk at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or like, yeah, exactly. Like um, <laughs> from uh, Repo Man. Cheap. How like they had all those like generic labels right. and that was sort of all I remember from Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry Dean Stanton was at his... Pockmarkiest. Repo Man 
Okay, there, you know, there's Repo Man, and there's the reason they had Repo Men on. What's that? That's that's Forrest Whitaker and Jude Law, and it's it's like it's like the tacky sci-fi story of um, uh, you bought this liver, you didn't pay for it. We're going to take it back oh, right now. That's the, the organ, story. Uh, the idea that it's like a dystopic. Yes. Okay. Correct. So on my cable service provider, the FiOS, uh, they always had it listed as. Repo Man, and it would say, a punk rocker gets into adventures. And I was like, hot damn, yeah. I never saw this yeah. movie all the way through. <laughs> so every time I would, the first time I, you know, stuck it on the DVR and I watched it, I'm like, Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you have, tell me you've seen it all the way through now. Repo Man. How do For I, me, Repo Man. How's our relationship going to change if I say no? <laughs> well, I saw it recently all the way through, and I the ending was totally, I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, the ending. The that's ending why I'm saying crazy. you have to see it all the way through. Yeah, that's my, I haven't seen it all the way through. What happens at the end? If you Just don't mind bananas. me asking or spoiling Repo Man. Like the car like floats into outer yeah. space, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so then comes awesome. down and it's the beginning of heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. Or tape heads. I mean, it could be like, it's just such in that era of like... That early 80s kind of like Mike Nesmith was probably involved. <laughs> Mike Nesmith, man, there was, I just watched a documentary on the monkeys recently. And it was the 2007 documentary yeah. showing all the interviews of Mike Nesmith from 98, the last time he apparently ever talked about the monkeys. Yeah. People don't realize how... Like, Mike Nesmith invented MTV. And his mother invented White, White Out. Out. I was yeah. just going to say, was that his mom, right? White Out, totally. He, he invented, He's got bigger fish to fry, <laughs> in other words. <laughs> and and it shows that all parties involved on the monkeys were, from the guys on the show to the guys producing the show, was just this bevy of douchebags. Like, no one <laughs> wanted, like, the producers were like, we're going to put this band together and take advantage of the Beatles and the mania behind the Beatles. Yeah. Beatlemania, they called it. Yeah. And... <laughs> Selling out all these, you know, merchandise and and songs, and we'll get Don Kushner to to put songs together. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to let these punk kids write songs. No, we're going to write songs. Well, who the fuck are you to mm-hmm. think you can write a song to come in? No one liked anybody, and I didn't realize. I thought the Monkees ran in my head from a kid watching reruns. Ten years, two seasons. Yeah, Monkey Mania was two seasons. It was such a condensed, like American version of like, oh yeah, Beatlemania. We can do that, but yeah. <laughs> we'll do it in this compressed, like, L.A. kind of way where. Uh, with like old school, you know, Jewish TV comedy writers, <laughs> right, like yeah, you right. see the end of the credits, and it's like, oh my god! And even the second season where they had stuff that was really revolutionary, and especially in my memory, mm-hmm. but it's like mm-hmm. written by like you know Shecky Abrams and like, <laughs> like the same three guys that would you know write "I Dreamed of Jeannie" and "Bewitched," yeah, yeah. and then they'd go home to their wives and have a roast. I was, I was, a, <laughs> I was a, Monkeys was the second concert I ever went to. Oh in really? My life. Yeah. And it was the first concert just to show just to show cred here. <laughs> Sha na na. Ooh. First concert I ever went to. Second concert I ever went to. Getting a portrait of a <laughs> artist as a young sort of sixties, yeah. you know, there's some rock but well, I don't know. Mm, uh, I, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> Those are hard, your first it's to, two. It's hard to differentiate. Well, my parents took me to Shanana because we watched the show. Yeah. And then Shanana came back. But technically, the first band I saw live was Dr. Hook and the Medicine Men, who were open. Let's back up. There's a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) So when you said you saw the monkeys, was that the Pool It tour? Oh, no. This was, um, uh, wait a minute. It was probably the Pool It tour. No, it had to be. that was 88 or something? No, it was 86. 86? That was was then, this is now. Yeah. That's when I saw them. Yeah. That's Pool It. And that was when Viacom was like rerunning those episodes on MTV and Nickelodeon and. 
Was this pre or post New Monkeys? Um, New Monkeys is completely separate, but yeah, it is yeah. post that, okay. I believe. I'm not a New Monkeys expert. I like to consider myself a bit of a Monkeys expert, but Fair New enough. Monkeys is off my, <laughs> that, that's off my, uh, you know, the area of knowledge. My thing with, with the Monkeys and Mike Nesmith, Mike Nesmith specifically mm-hmm. is I try not to be weirded out by people's beliefs. But Christian Science always kind of weird. Oh, I didn't know out. he was a Christian scientist. Yeah, there's there's uh, one of the stories is if I'm getting the facts right in my head, uh, <laughs> his wife got hit by a car or something. She got hurt very badly, yeah. and just we're gonna go pray it away. I didn't realize that. And also, yeah. was that his first wife, or was it because he had a lot of you do know dalliances? Of- well, he had Jason Nesmith, the guy who's a musician, right. with um, this photographer that I guess he had a dalliance with. His, because when he was on that show, he was 21 and he was already married. Like, he was the only one that was, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, kind of settled down. And, and you know, then, and, and what was his pseudonym when he first... Oh, oh, gosh. Oh, no. I know this, but I don't know it right now. It was something like Mike's Celebration or something. Close. Michael Blessing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I Bam. think that's that's... Terrific. We would rock on trivia. I feel like a monkey's trivia challenge I could do well. The rest I would fail you. <laughs> I would disappoint you in many, many ways. No. Wait. So, okay. So, so monkeys, yeah, you know a lot about. How'd you get into them? I guess it was around that time because I would come home from school and they were running those episodes yeah. on MTV and on Nickelodeon. And I was obsessed. And that was sort of right around the time that they had their comeback. And I had their records and mm-hmm. like to me they were the ultimate and even though it was like a very retro slice of teen uh fandom like mm-hmm. I, it hit me at the time when i guess girls in the 60s would have been as enchanted but by then they were just disgusting and they've only gotten <laughs> more disgusting although mike looks reasonably good for you know he just he just looks like an adult mickey doland is such a minstrel show of just bad news <laughs> visually and and a lot of it is choice, so I don't feel bad making fun of how bad he looks because, like, nobody forces him to wear that big Stetson hat. I've never heard anyone refer to someone else as a minstrel show. But he kind of is. Like, yeah. he kind of looks like a monkey now. Like, he kind of <laughs> looks like a, um, not a chimp necessarily, but, like, uh, those baboons that... I've seen some great nature talks. There's one that, like, um, they have, like, a hot tub, and they, like, don't let the lower-class monkeys in the hot tub, and they're freezing. So they all freeze to death except for, like, the cool kids. He would have been the one that froze to death. Mickey Dolan's is the outcast monkey among the monkeys. I believe that he must be the most difficult one to be in, like, an elevator with or just to, like, have to have lunch. I saw him get out of an elevator once. Yeah. Was it weird? It was bizarre because I was living in Los Angeles and we had the same commercial agent. I had no oh. idea. And he came out and I did the very, you know, nonchalant, Hey, you're Mickey Jones. That's awesome. <laughs> and he went, hey. And I was like, ha And then walked to my car like a tool. Well, he was probably thrilled. You probably made his day, I think. I imagine that his is the kind of fame where every time he's recognized, you know, pushes the, the suicidal thoughts back an inch. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be cruel, but... <laughs> when you find when I found out it only ran for two years, then I kind of thought, wow, they really made this like that's one season less than Star Trek. Well, that I don't know anything about, but I do sure? believe that uh, for something that ran that uh, for that little time, mm-hmm. it really made a huge impact, as far as I know. I mean, and I mm-hmm. do think their records are still great, and some of those Brill Building guys and ladies, oh, Carol yeah. King, 
the Porpoise song is hers, and I think that song. Oh, really? Is, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Of course, you know first, Neil, Neil Diamond did all that. And... Neil Diamond and um, Boyce and Hart, and mm-hmm. so Boyce I, and Hart. I think that they had, and just also visually for me personally, growing up as a lady who likes dudes, like mm-hmm. I look at those four guys from that time, and I see the way like men see. Um, Brigitte Bardot or Raquel Welch or like just women that are so unbelievably beautiful that that's kind of my equivalent at that time. Maybe it was the style. Maybe it was just like that's an odd mise-en-scene of it. But those guys were like running around and being funny and playing the guitar. And I was like, I me want that. Well, John Lennon said, you know, the you know, the the monkeys were were more like the Marx Brothers than like. Yes. Like like the Beatles. Yes. Um, I don't know if I heard a lot. Bridget Bardot. And well, Raquel I think Welsh. they were gorgeous, and you look back. Laverne and Shirley, maybe. Well, but, I just I'm talking about like what they look like. Okay. Yeah, they not necessarily like yeah. you know the 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 content of it. Like, the, no way are they like. And it's different what girls are attracted to because you don't right. want a guy who's in a caveman outfit like, <laughs> and that like Brigitte Bardot pose necessarily. Yeah. But just looking back, I just see like Mike Nez was in that second scene. When he was just wearing like white turtlenecks and aviator glasses and like a different medallion yeah. every week, and that's just heaven to me. Like, really? that's, <laughs> yes, that is just like that's my that's my thing. That's your type. Mm-hmm. So having Girls like medallions, didn't you know that? Yeah, Girls dig medallions. We dig medallions, uh, any kind, veal should... medallions, pork medallions. <laughs> oh, very delicious. <laughs> we should all wear more medallions. So wait, so 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 I'm I'm picturing Mike Nesmith in the the I'm a Believer the the video they shot. They, more like daily nightly, like when they got uh, that big moog and they were all yeah. behind it, and like they're all wearing white, and you know that someone dressed them, but like he pulls it off. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of so that kind of that's my that's my uh, my jam. Okay. Sexually, <laughs> Christian scientist. I didn't know that. That's interesting. No, no. Think of Christians. Is Prince? Oh, he's Jehovah's Witness, right? Prince Jehovah's Witness. Okay. Yes. The, are both of them against blood transfusions? Because I know Jehovah is. Okay. I don't know, but I'm assuming Christian scientists well, must is. be against any kind of procedure that involves. <laughs> There's a great Simpsons episode. There's actually several, but the one in particular <laughs> uh, shows the uh, a news. Uh, like something happens to the news and the Christian Science Monitor news van pulls up. Yeah. They get a flat tire. And they go, nope, we can't change it. <sighs> Got to sit around till God fixes That's it for us. such a bummer. Yeah. Especially since the word science and also like reading are in their <laughs> Christian mm-hmm. Science reading rooms. You want it to be question things and yeah, critical thinking. things and be thing. critical. Yeah. Uh, Jonah has mentioned that we need to thank you for coming to Williamsburg. But you're welcome. I you talk a, a lot about how you I'm hate sorry. Williamsburg. I'm sorry. I don't hate... <laughs> Williamsburg. I just, I, I, you know, when I was dating, and I've been in a relationship for like three and a half years now, but when I was dating, it was really more toward the beginning of the decade. And I do think things have changed a little. Um, the economy has since crashed. Uh, I think that there's been a backlash to the backlash of the point where you don't even know what hipster means anymore. But um, when I was dating, I came out here so often. And um, and I had some really lousy experiences that I I don't wish to impose on the the, the great land of, of where we are currently recording this. But um, I mean but, Williamsburg, yeah. Brooklyn, not Williamsburg, Virginia. For I those have no of you problem with Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> would you like some cider? I would love some cider. <laughs> Finally, he asks me. <laughs> so you came out here earlier, and and came out Williamsburg to go was, on dates with guys. And was the opposite of the monkeys, not just, your jam. <laughs> it was just really frustrating. It was really hard to find. Uh, something that was sticking and that was substantial and that felt 
serious and I, I I'm sure that I was there was just time and place and this just happened to be the place got it yeah I, I came out here and, and lived in Williamsburg around 2002 and it wasn't the it's really different well where I lived was South Forth and Driggs yes and that was still the hood a little heroiny and if you walked down eight blocks then it was you know St. Mark's and then you also got I mean just, it was a bubble that had to burst mm-hmm. and that sort of happened around the election but like I, I definitely think that there's been a lot of you know internal shifts that I, I sort of acknowledge in the book but are definitely have since changed and they're more subtle and the transition between like you know irony and earnestness has definitely happened since then where people are really into like cheese and that's a bummer yeah, there, are, there are a lot of cheese shops oh my here. god with it so I much like, cheese. I, like I think, I think it's a, I mean, a good point now to, to mention the name of your book yes. since we've talked about it. I don't care about your band. I bought this book for my wife a year ago. So I got to, when she finished it, go. Uh, when my wife finishes a book, she just she doesn't want it in the house anymore. That's interesting. She, no, she's like, I'm done with it. Why would I want to keep she's her on? She's a reverse hoarder. Yeah, yeah. So she gives it to me and I'm the opposite. I'm like, I can't give away a book. So I have a, in our house, We I have a, a studio garage. That's, yeah. That's where everything she hates that belongs to me is. It's so, your man cave. It's pretty. So cool. many comic books in there. <laughs> Are there? And yeah. It's I'm. I take nerd to a new level. Are you? Would you ever sell your comic books? Or? I'm in the process. Are yes. you? Yeah. Yeah. I have children, so you need you need so the. They're going to be destroyed. They're going to be destroyed, mm-hmm. and and they need to eat. Isn't that funny that like <laughs> you wouldn't give the comic books to your children, but you'd sell them to feed them? It's just funny that it's like, well, now they're kids. I can't keep these comic books around. Comic books are, they're too precious to give to kids. Yeah, they don't yes. need them. I had to go with Steven to sell his comics, and it was one of the saddest things I ever had to watch. <laughs> Awful. It was, I don't even Really? Traumatizing. Was it one of those things where you, like, he wouldn't let go, and the guy was trying to take it out <laughs> of his Sort of, of like. So when you get to that act of desperation where it's like, I, you know what, I have to sell these because I need money for other things, and these, they're not worth anything. But they're they, not? Nah, not anymore. If, if people in, I guess, our generation, if you, Got into comic books in the 80s. I called a store recently saying, I have all these comics. I want to sell them. Mm-hmm. Well, when did you collect? The 80s? I'm like, damn it. You know? Oh, they're not worth anything yet? or No, they won't be worth ever. ever. Like you said, the bubble has to burst. Really? So in the 80s, the comic book bubble burst with so many being printed and so many coming I out. See. So the market was flooded. So there's a few select <laughs> issues that okay. people can nerd about. But what's cool about comics is now... Most every movie was a comic book at yes. one point. I'm not talking about the major ones like, you know, It's Green complicated with Meryl Street. <laughs> it's complicated. It was subtle. Um, it was a know. Marvel. It was not a DC. People didn't. People didn't <laughs> well, you know, S- Silkwood was originally a Dark Horse Presents. People don't, people don't know that. I could see that. that. Shower Woman. Oh, yeah, exactly. Shower Woman. We, you know, we, dis- we discussed once Mike actually has a superpower himself that actually I think might fascinate you. What's that? It's not, it's, it's a really shitty superpower. I mean, it's like, I was saying, it's like not allowed in the X Men school, which you uh, corrected me. Which Xavier is, Schools for Gifted Youngsters in Westchester, New York. I don't have armpit smell. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't get the BO. And it's weird because it's like, it's one of those things I've never worn deodorant. I was just saying on the way here, Steven's like, oh, I don't like wearing undershirts usually because the deodorant thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't wear deodorant. And it's, it usually is like fascinates people. Yeah. What is your ethnicity? 
I'm, I'm really into eugenics. Italian. By the way. <laughs> my family's like my, you know, from like Italy. That's what. Uh, yeah, and I should be way hairier and greasy. Well, I'm greasy. Well, you were you but, northern Italian. <laughs> northern I mean, and my father's side. Well, like you're not Sicilian. Sicilian. What? My father's side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should reek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should also be way like I have like three chest hairs, like one nipple one that like comes out, and like that's pretty much. The, I'm glad it, you ended like, that with one nipple one because for a second. I had, no. In that brief nanosecond, <laughs> my mind wondering. went a thousand different yeah. directions. Yeah. One nipple. I, that, Where could they be? No, yeah. That would have come up at some point in time in our relationship. I like what? that that's a superpower that well, you consider. I consider. <laughs> I didn't consider a superpower until like I started telling people and they're like, you fucking don't wear deodorant. What? And I'm like, no, it's just one of those things. Like I get gross Like if I don't shower. Yeah. I get like the grease comes out. But it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Like it just doesn't – it never – it's funny that like this, a superpower would be like not doing something. <laughs> like not. Doing. Well, I was saying that's why it's shitty because I can't really use it for anything. Or, or you could use it for saving money valuable money on, on the right guard. Yeah. <laughs> you're never know. gonna or, have yeah. Alzheimer's or Mitchum. Well, you yeah. you you know you I missed your calling Mitchum. because they you know the the uh, in Vietnam they used to say they could smell the Americans coming. They I did? guess I could be yeah. like stealth dude. Yeah, in the... so you could maybe maybe you would have been a killer. Let's write this movie now. Some ninja yeah. opportunity. Be like, well, what's his superpower? He just does. It's a time travel story. You're a soldier that needs to go back to Vietnam yeah. to turn the tide of the war. Yeah. So that you could sneak up on the VC and they can't smell you because yeah. you don't. It's like Weapon smell. X, but they just took my armpit smell away. Like instead of giving me adamantium bones that were unbreakable. Yeah, but see, Mike, <laughs> they just. What are we gonna do? It's way cheaper, dude. Have you learned nothing? Wolverine nice is smell. Canadian, yeah. and there was limited involvement in the Vietnam <laughs> yeah, War. We're just gonna make him unsmellable. Oh, it Wait, it's like yeah. the shittier version where it's like, does he have claws? That no, dude, he's shitty at everything. Just he doesn't smell. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna teach him how to shoot, and he can just sit there. We'll paint him so no one sees him, and we're gonna. Just I like that you go back in time but not to stop the war just, <laughs> like, get involved yeah yeah get yeah. involved yeah you should get involved with the protest against it you could have warned us becoming yeah. I didn't go back that it's really, really yeah it's a stupid superpower wait where's Hugh Jackman from is he Australia, Australia. oh I see yeah. okay He's, and that was originally God, I'm such a dork why do I no, know it's this fine let's continue my friend Nate's a big X-Men person okay. he's a big fan so I know that Jean Grey is from Scarsdale which is cool yeah Jean Grey is a big so I'm deal I'm from Scarsdale which is not cool are you at from all, Scarsdale I am it's, it's, I used to be embarrassed of it but now I think it's kind of funny Scars- it's like Great Neck or- yeah I was going to say Scarsdale had a stigma for a while but it, I never yes. understood it I think it's just because the name sounds funny it's a funny name and they're you know, that being it's it's very infamous for being like a, a you know Jewish upper white mid, upper middle class white yeah. kind of suburb, and and so when everything whenever when anything terrible happens, people go they, they it's like Christmas <laughs> or Hanukkah, um, they, like the Scarsdale diet doctor who was shot in the eighties and. And then they're and then Scarsdale and Great Neck have this like rivalry because they're the same exact place. But when the like capturing the Freedmen's movie came out, yes, and yes, Scarsdale was like, "Yes, kids were molested there, not here. Suck it, Great Neck." So <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> but yes, I know Jean Grey is from Scarsdale. Yes, so we have that in common. Okay. But otherwise, I think she and I sort of agree to disagree. Jean Grey. Yeah, but but Wolverine is Canadian. Wolverine's Canadian. Yeah. What are we talking about? Like Toronto, Halifax. You know, well, see, it's hard because. This is just going to go so this bad. Is, yeah, I was going to say, this is going go to... You got to commit to it, yeah. yeah hey, I got to pass off. I got to pass the torch. Oh, yeah, you got to bring in your intern, yeah. Yeah, Run sorry. The human torch, right, guys? <laughs> the human torch, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about your book. Yes. And specifically, the act of having a book. Yes. Like, because like, you've been a writer forever. Yes. Uh, you've been involved in comedy for a long time. I have. And... 
I've heard people say, we're going to have a book deal. To other people, like, are you going to have a book? Like, how does that right. step come about in your career path? This was completely manna from heaven in that I was working as a staff writer for a TV show, and I uh, the job ended, and then there was the writer's strike. Remember mm-hmm. that happened oh, yeah. a few years ago? And so during that writer's strike, I was already sort of starting to think like, oh, what if there were other things I could do um, besides look for jobs that don't exist? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually got an email from a literary agent that said, would you like to write a book at some point? And I said, yeah, I was just thinking about that. And um, he really helped me develop a book proposal and um, sort of guided me towards this is a good place that you could submit essays that will help you get exposure that we'll could, you know, we could sell the book based on and, you know, maybe don't do something that's all just random essays because those are hard to sell if you're mm-hmm. not a celebrity. So a memoir is a better idea because you can tell stories, but um, to have an overarching theme is something that you should work towards. So he was really yeah. helpful in steering me towards that and helping me and giving me examples of things to look at and, um, like a proposal template, which was helpful. Um, But anyway, so yeah, he really was very helpful. And then around that time, I got um, one of the stories I was was working on uh, in the New York Times Modern Love column. And that was a really big deal because apparently everybody reads that. And he was able to sell a book based on the proposal that I already had. But the exposure of that was really helpful in getting that last push. So then I got a book deal and was able to spend a year sort of just working on the book and also teaching uh, at UCB, which I I did at night. So that was kind of my year. Um, And then I've since written, I just finished a young adult novel, but that was something that was very different in that I had to juggle a lot of different things at the same time. And but the, I feel like your first book, and especially a memoir, that you're you know putting your life story out there and you're doing something that you know really I felt wanted to represent who I was in a very kind of you know deep way. Um, I really concentrated. Uh, I've worked as hard as I'd ever really worked on something just to make sure that it was good. I rewrote it and reread it over and over again. And how, how important is the the editor when when you were working on a book? Because I don't think people realize I don't uh, how most things any career is basically team oriented. Yeah. And when you know when we worked on a television show together. Uh, you know, Jonah, Jonah wrote what I was being said for reasons to to help me out and, yeah. and help the show out. So together, Mike made the show happen and look pretty and do that. And when we do the podcast, you know, we have a producer, you know, and mm-hmm. you have your podcast. How was mm-hmm. your week? You yes. have a producer, which I've listened to. Oh, thank you. Yes. It's loads of fun. Oh, thank you very much. I love doing it. We use the same microphone. You, we do. Sure. SBs, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, ladies my goodness. The gelatin. second less, ex- the second cheapest yeah you you don't want to get the cheapest those stink yeah the second cheapest well, these are these, as, as brad will say these are rock star mics well this well, is what well. bands use that's cool and you always want and you always, and we have ourselves on tape many times of brad saying uh you want basically you know eight inches in front of your face why would brad say that without knowing what brad was <laughs> mike saying? he said it to you earlier yeah yeah oh, yeah geez. what did i say again you said oh like you're Blowing a dick. That's what yeah. you said. Oh, like you're sucking someone's dick. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, that's yeah. what you said. Well, uh, it's I love innuendo. On... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was innuendo? Oh, I think um, it, the, the, w- 
in relation to what you were asking about, I think that book writing can be more independent than anything Correct. else, which is yes. why it's terrifying. Um, that's not to say, you know, you can do it alone because you can't. You do need an editor. Right. To buy it and help you and, and your agent to make that happen. And then um, you show it to friends that you trust, which have always been the resource that I kind of most depend upon is people who uh, will not bullshit me and give me good notes, but won't be mean either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but it really is the most – the thing I liked about it um, – and would recommend, especially for people who have done TV writing, is that what I realize is I get final word, I get final cut. So if I had an ag- a disagreement with the editor, I win because my name is on it. And that's something that is huge, especially for someone who's on TV and you never – well, also, your name isn't on it, <laughs> usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is in the end, and unless, you know, you're Oprah, which – you know, not many of us are. Some of us are. It was, no, it was in our are. case, though. What? Our show is Stevens Untitled Rock Show. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It did have your name. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you had a higher level of influence at that level than you would if you were just like a staff writer for a sitcom. Yeah, we had an interesting dynamic on that show. I hired Jonah to write because he had zero experience doing television. And that's what we wanted. Yeah. Because we're like, well, then we can do it. I could see that. Then we can do it right. (laughs) Well, also, you know, it's like there's an expression about like, oh, I don't know how to direct a movie or write for TV. It's like, have you eaten at a restaurant? Mm -hmm. Oh, you know how to wait tables. Like it's something that you do want someone who hasn't been really jaded about to come into it, but is still excited about it. And I completely understand that. So when you were so when you were going through the book and. You said, I like what you said about finding a theme, not making a yeah. collection of essays, which is great because there's a serious through line. And I mean serious as in it's consistent, not serious as in it's very, very yeah. serious. <laughs> um, through line for your book. I was sold on the title. Thanks. You know, which is why I wanted to uh, uh, get it from my wife because she, she had gone through that, you know, dating, dating a guy in a band. She also dated a Hell's Angel. She hates it when oh, I Oh, that's bring, interesting. She hates it when I bring that up. Well, it's fascinating that she dated a Hell's Angel, <laughs> an and I would bring it up all the time just to have... That's like a good party trick at a dinner. It'd be like, oh, honey, tell that story. I don't where, know why she gets so irritated when I said... I used to up. live across from their headquarters or whatever on East 3rd. On 3rd, yeah. And I've walked past it a million times, and then Stephen's like, oh, yeah, my wife's been in there. I was like, what's... It's like this <laughs> mythical yeah. place. He, she's been in... She's been in the Hell's Angels, yeah. Really? Yeah. So what it, do they treat outsiders like it would I would think it would be an issue to like if someone was dating a civilian who wasn't a biker. No, that's babe, kinda, no? I think that's kind of the I think that's okay. And this I think this was one of the exceptions. Well, I think he wasn't a New York Hells Angel. I think he was coming in and just There's I'm a not, lot upstate, a lot yeah. in the Catskills yeah. at Ride. Yeah. I went to Safe. a karaoke bar once in the Catskills and they don't like share. I'll put that out there. I, I did, uh, the Catskills or the Hell's Angels? Sang half breed in a biker bar, and they did not care for it. Must have been the content of the song. I don't agree. <laughs> I think it was everything. I think it was everything I was doing, and share has ever done. Share is fascinating that I you mentioned. Agree. I had a share experience last week because a friend Please of mine share. put on. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Jonah Bear. Uh, the experience was a friend of mine put on Facebook. Maybe this was a giant Facebook thing. I don't go on Facebook that often. Facebook off, is the off. worst. I don't understand it. Hate it. It confuses me. Oh my God, me. we're best friends. Let's go. Let's <laughs> yeah. Go. Well, yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> you know what I like about Facebook is I can put up pictures of my kids so people yeah. can stop asking for pictures of my kids. 
Oh, which I is can great. see how that would be yeah, helpful. Yeah, see how that works. Yeah. So a friend of mine put up, find the song that was number one. I remember. The that, week yeah. you were born. Yeah, I saw that. So the song that was number one the week I was born was Gypsy's Tramps and Thieves. That's awesome. Wow. Which wow. cracked me up. So I found a link to the video and posted it up which on YouTube. Which video? Was it her singing it on Sunny and Cher? You know what? It didn't say on YouTube, but there were at least what three costume she... changes during the song. So it so probably it was. Well, it could have been. been anything. That was just a Tuesday in Cher's apartment. Did you watch Sunny and Cher? I love Sunny and Cher. Did you ever see the episode of Sunny and Cher where, uh, wait a minute. No, it was reverse. Donnie Marie had Sunny and Cher on as oh. a guest and they had a little war. Wait, no. Was it a medley? Hosts? It was a medley, but they also like fought to see who were the hosts of the show. What was in the medley? I wow. love a medley. Yeah. Yeah, medleys are good. That's why I enjoy seeing Prince in concert. Does Prince do a lot of medleys? He never finishes a damn song. Really? I didn't realize that. He does all medleys. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. All the way that's... Through. Have you seen Prince, right? No. I've never oh, seen Prince. It's, I've he... seen Weird Al do a lot of medleys. But... <laughs> uh, the title of your book, I Don't Care About Your Band. And then, of course, what There's I... a really long subtitle, but I don't like it. When... You don't have to read it. Okay, I, wh- I put what it is it about a... the subtitle? Why'd you put it there? Well, that ha- that was a back and forth with the publisher to make it uh, broader because they were worried the title was a little too um, niche. Okay. So they wanted to make sure, you know, everybody in the world will buy. I, I don't even know. It was like, what if we do I, – I, the original subtitle was just Lessons Learned from Romantic Disappointments. But oh. they wanted something that was – well, we it was sort of a compromise too because I really, really was very – uh, resolute that the title remain the title, even though it might not appeal to like women in their fifties or you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Now with uh, notice, you know, the, as, as I'm entering the forties, yeah. you know, or I'm in them, uh, that that generation gap is there. Really, isn't too much of a generation gap anymore. I think that's, I think that's true, and I think that's really interesting, and I I think that you know as rock musicians age we are going to learn more things about so many different areas in terms of like you know what well what acid does long term has always been really interesting to me (laughs) um and then um you know just getting rid of the trophy wives and like and and retire and that that's also really gross and sad and my question about the book sort of was i kept picturing myself when you were writing it, and was there a moment where you're like, I don't want to make myself this vulnerable? Because it's one thing to write a book, but one yeah. thing to write about the most personal stuff ever and kind of just be like, anyone can read this for 10 bucks. It, it was really terrifying. You come out of the gate with that in the intro. I know, I do. I, I felt like I had to own it right away, and um, it was terrifying. I never thought of myself as a person that would write about their personal life and their childhood and everything. I was just doing characters and comedy writing before that. And... um I had the opportunity, so and it was also something that was on my mind, and I was going through a transition where I had come from, you know, comedy writing, UCB performing, and then, like, television stuff, and I I guess I wanted to do something more in-depth. Um, so I knew that because I had this opportunity, if I didn't put myself out there a 110%, then it would not be as good. So I think where it would have been more embarrassing... <laughs> is if you have a memoir and you half-ass it or you try to, like, paint a picture of someone that you'd want to be or you'd want to be perceived of or, I'm so cool and quirky. And I just knew that if I did that, your your reader will, like, you know, see right through it and that if you have an opportunity to get at something that's important, you owe it to yourself to be completely truthful. So it was definitely 
terrifying, but I think the the worst alternative is to have a book that you're like Ugh, about when you look back at. And so much of that is like being a teenager or, you know, going back and you're just trying to like broadcast a way that you wish you were instead of how you really are. There are really no broad strokes. I, I I tried to, you know, stay honest, but also you have a lot of control because it really is just you and your computer or whatever. So you, you have there, there's more control in the process of writing it than you ever think because no one's ever going to take it from you, edit it and publish it. And that's something that I was always terrified of. So you can keep editing and keep revising and revising until you do feel comfortable. Forgive me for getting the, uh, the, the, the legalness at all, but how specific with names changed and all the names all, all the names. identifying details okay. and worked with a lawyer of my own in addition right. to the publisher to make sure that did was, you know that was going to happen ahead of time or did was that something a surprise um, to you no it was something that i i went into it planning and being yeah. careful with and have people who are like that's obviously me no okay no i haven't okay. I, I i got one note from someone that was a friend of mine that I mentioned, like anecdotally, like toward the end of the book, but um, but nobody I'd ever like been intimate with has been in touch with me because that's sort of the whole premise of it is like yeah. I never heard from them anyway. Like it, right. they're not in my life and haven't been and have not since. Hmm. I'm doing something kind of similar now, which is totally out of character for me. I have a um, this girl I dated writes for Vice now, and she was like, for Valentine's Day, I'm going to interview a bunch of ex boyfriends. And now she was like, do you want to do this? And I was like, I have to say her name and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, you know what? I'll do it. And she sent me these questions and I like don't really remember. <laughs> and she's like, why do we break up? I'm like, we broke. I don't know. Like, she's like, what was like our best moment? And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm really struggling with it. And I feel like your memory is so good. Like, I feel like you have so many details where I can't, especially with the relationships. Women like, remember. It's we're just like, like, we're like elephants. We oh. love peanuts. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you do you drink a lot, or do you not? Are you not a big drinker? I'm not a big drinker. I, I that's where we would be a, different. Yeah, the brain cells. I smoked I think pot. I, think, I smoked a lot of pot in my twenties, though. So I do have my, you know, like I, I've got the substance sort of like influence on it. But I think women remember everything that's important. Uh, young adult novel. Mm-hmm. That piques my interest. It's uh, those you can sell those apparently in what? the book world. <laughs> Don't um, you have to be Mormon? Uh, yes, I, I converted. It took ten minutes. Oddly, do you have the underwear? Oh, do I ever? I have lingerie. Uh, it's it's a, it's a um, reform Mormon magic fact. lingerie. Yes, that magic. You... Well, I think all lingerie is magic. <laughs> yeah. So David Lee Roth, at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I I'm coming out with that uh, next year, uh, 2013, I guess, which is crazy that it takes really long time for books to like package stuff and everything but yeah that was interesting i hope to uh i hope it'll reach teenage girls and they'll be like indoctrinated into my brand <laughs> it's, it's a large section of barnes and noble yeah those still sell they they do really well like i always i don't i don't know how books make money um but sometimes they do and i think young adult is one of the areas in which they do so Keep my fingers crossed that very it exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was that part of the plan? Because I'm, no. I'm, I'm the kind of person <laughs> who doesn't have one. Jonah and I, I were going to write a book years ago, yeah, called "How Two Slackers Fell Into the Music Industry." Because mm-hmm. uh, Jonah ended up being music editor. How young you were? You when I was APS twenty two. Twenty two, music mm-hmm. editor of a, of, a, of a national magazine. You know, and and uh, I ended up, you know hosting stuff doing music stuff where they're like you know a lot about music i don't know shit about music yeah, i just yeah. like music <laughs> yeah. a lot and can talk that a good counts game. for everything people like it 
And so we'd find ourselves sitting at the office at Fuse being like, how did this happen? This is very <laughs> odd. But there's was no plan. No plan. There's no plan. There's no, no. Young adult never just, this no, is a good it, idea. It, the opportunity came around. It was sort of part of that, like when I got my New York Times thing in, it was mm-hmm. one of the opportunities that came into my agent. It was like, oh, would she be interested in this? And he really encouraged me to because it was something that he knew he could sell. And then I also sort of got rid of a certain amount of ego at a point where I realized that like, as long as if you're a writer, as long as you're being paid to write, you are really successful. And I needed to sort of realize that. Whereas like when I was in my 20s and you're like, you got these high hopes. So you're like, I'm going to do everything or I'm going to do fucking nothing. I'm going to sit in the dark until like people get the hint that they should give me all the things in the world. So um, at the point where that opportunity came around, I was like, hell yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll write a young adult novel. I'd never thought of it before, but if you're going to pay me to, and they did, and I was happy and I learned a lot from the experience. So was it strange? Like being like, oh, I can't use this adjective because they probably won't know what this means. But, like my peers. <laughs> I've gotten some mean. feedback about that. Like I wanted to name the guy, the cute guy in the thing, Kurt, like Kurt Cobain, cause he's kind of like had those attributes but um girls think of kurt as the gay kid from glee apparently so they did like they found they said that the name nick is sexier than kurt so the guy's name is nick now which is interesting because like in my mind it'd be like kurt cobain but no not so much well it's also funny because when you say dave Grohl was the drummer for nirvana kids are like wait you mean from the guy from foo fighters is in another band yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, we're doing the, another How Was Your Week live on February 2nd at the Bell House, by the way. If I'm I can go. plug. The lineup is amazing. Oh, thank you for coming <clears throat> in advance. I will make, I'll make sure to say hello to me at the thing after, but Teddy Leo and the pharmacist are going to be the uh, band. Love They're going to be on stage them. the whole time, and he, he gets to play Paul Schaefer, which he really enjoys. Like, he <laughs> plays something while his guests come out, and Tom Sharpling and Sandra Bernhardt are going to be there. Which Love is exciting, both but of them. I mentioned it because last time uh, we did the same thing and Teddy was on stage and during the interview I was doing, we were talking about um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I said, I had a thought about them recently. Are they the funky doors? Because I think they are. I think like Anthony Kiedis' shirtless thing like and like the Jim Morrison thing is really reminiscent and that, that they're like, at one point, you thought they were good, and then you're like, no, they're kind of cheesy. But then they come on, you've got, like, guilty pleasure with, like, sold squeeze or, like, I don't know. I think there's something to that. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. We definitely have a name for our thrash The Funky band. Doors. <laughs> <laughs> the Funky Doors. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's funny you mentioned, sorry, the, ch- the Chili Peppers, too, because they have such an, like, it's it's like, I know when I started listening to Chili Peppers and, like, you know, I was a big, like, Flea fan too, and I started playing bass a little bit because of hearing Flea. And yeah, we interview some a lot of younger bands. We just interviewed this band where they were like, Yeah, you know, I listen to a lot of old school chili peppers like Californication. And I was like, <laughs> He's like, He's like, Yeah, you know, I don't mean to be like, but it was like, you know, Californication is where I started. And I was like, Dude, real, there's a lot of other stuff like you could go. Or just Wait, like uh, that they would think it was named after, but the, the fact that it hit me though, how long they, they're they've been around, and too, it's like, Well, they sort of transcend a lot of different. Uh, genres too so it's like I don't know they're... it'd be good if they never existed I would live with them never existing for the influence they've had on slap baits like people just like, every time you go to a music store someone's like, like the kid doing, yeah, 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 that's the worst yeah, thing but if, but if Primus like... existed it would still be happening yeah that's true minus that, that they... Les Claypool stuff is way well, harder Les Claypool's all slap was, baits yeah but like was Primus don't you think Primus was influenced by the Red Hot Chili Peppers I don't know about the same know. time period probably similar Primus was weird like more like weird. They're weird guys. Yeah. They're yeah. just super weird yeah. weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. Very weird guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Chili Peppers just seems so Hollywood. Kinda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I have been. I, I wonder about that though. You're right. If like, but what Tom Sharpling says is like, there, there are certain movies that you wish you could get rid of just because of the influence they've had on other movies. But you can't like Rushmore, for example, is like right. birthed a million shitty movies. But you don't want to get rid of Rushmore. Right. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. You know, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I loved it when it came out. But at the same time, you can't you can't rue something for just be for what it has begot. Yeah. I guess. Right. No, that's true because that's how I feel about Napoleon Dynamite it, like, and like Juno. It's like oh, those are you just named generations two and three of Rushmore. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Napoleon Dynamite is near 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 Rushmore, but I think it was very influenced by its like tone and stat- like it had it just didn't have anything. To say well, that's can, a Mormon text. Well, too. Those guys Mormon. are Mormon. Yeah, they're very Mormon. I grew up with TV, and that's I worship at its you know <laughs> at its glow. And I'm I'm happy to any any kind of TV project I'm working on. I'm always happy to do it. And mm-hmm. I I love film. I'm just more cynical about how things are made now in that world. Like it kind of gives me the creeps that <laughs> people only make like six movies, and then they're really expensive and. I don't know. I haven't seen anything in the theater that I loved re- recently. I guess I saw um, that Errol Morris documentary, a tabloid, which was incredible. That was the mm. best movie I saw last year. But okay. I didn't see a lot of other movies, whereas I've seen a ton of television. <laughs> what, what, t- what TV are you lo- loving? Well, Eastbound and Down is coming back, and that's God, something so I'm good. really excited about. And um, Cody Hill is just like yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, those guys are. I, I feel like they're using that ability to like just do a mini series i think i think foot fist way you're gonna find has influenced a lot of movies oh that's a good point i'm sure yeah Yeah, absolutely that movie i was weeping watching that movie so good i saw actually saw the first episode of season three of eastbound you did yeah because i was interviewing someone who was in it and i don't think i talk about it but it's amazing i'm sure i i I don't even it's one of those things that's so great that it defies insight because Mm -hmm. you just sound like a goon you're just blabbering about how awesome it is it's just i want more i feel like i wish there was so much more i i love that i love breaking bad i i um you know i started watching downton abbey like every every other person on twitter should i I start doing that um i don't know i i it was just something that I knew people were watching, so I I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot, and it's it's definitely I don't know if it's good, but I like it. I'll put okay. it that way. It's like Aaron Sorkin kind of thing. You're like, oh, I just watched five episodes. Is it good? Who knows? But like, I want to watch the next one. Um, How about Misfits? You watch that? I have not watched Misfits. Me neither. You watch no. no, Misfits. No. It's on Hulu. It's a superhero thing, but okay. kind of a, an English fucked up superhero thing. Oh, that's thing. interesting. Very in the snark level, but I don't like laugh tracks. I don't like no. Studio based three camera yeah, Desi that's, Arnaz. That's ridiculous. I, I think we're beyond that. There's no place for that in modern times. <laughs> there is. It's called the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. It's uh, for children. Yeah. And Whitney, I think. Yeah, and Whitney's three camera, all the stuff on CBS. Yeah. Ick. Yuck. No, it definitely is claustrophobic and icky seeming. I mean, it's not, it, it's completely wrong. I love Louie. I, I love. Um, That's probably one of my favorite shows. Oh, it's yeah. just like yeah. completely what it, TV should be, which is like film in yeah. the 70s. Like, here, go that's do a, it and he, it's all you. That's a specific model, though. I mean, that was, he, um, is it Brad? Is that Brad? Leon, are you no. tagging out? Yeah, no, I'm part of it. This is what we Kiss. Oh. Uh, Louis has. There, there are now aren't comedians and people saying, "I want a Louis deal," because he has. Yeah. He has such he's creative control. For, yeah, but he's been like, 
you can't he's compare anyone it. to her to him. You no, know? of like, course. Yeah, yeah, no, completely he's earned it. But also, he's just been doing this for a year. He, he mm-hmm. made films. and I think he makes it look easy, which is why I think yeah. people are like, oh, I could do that. Totally. It's like, you cannot do you're, that. No. Yeah, no. no, of course not. Yeah. Not at all. So these people you respect to, uh, what else? Do you... I watch reality stuff. I watch Real Housewives. I find really fascinating. I think those women are... Ovaries. I find, yeah, yeah, men, they're not, My they're wife not so watches into men, but women it just... find it... It's it's like crack cocaine. I mean, it's really fascinating for women and and uh, certain gay men really like that. The, those those shows um, and stuff on Bravo for sure. Yes, of course. You had one of them on your podcast recently. Had right? a couple of Real Housewives. Oh, they, really? They're not great interviews. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Um, but you seem I, like they would love to talk about themselves. Well, they do, and I am. You know, I, I really just have them on mostly so I can meet them, and then I, <laughs> I when I would talk to them though, they can't reveal because they're taping the um, season so they can't really say anything they're under so many um you know conditions for their contracts so that i can't really get to the juicy stuff and then i realized recently like that's not my job that's like andy cohen's job it's all a very self-contained franchise but whenever i meet one i feel like there's a bigger celebrity in the room than like you know angelina jolie come (laughs) in and be like who cares and Lisa Vanderpump from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is in with a dog and you just, like, lose your mind. I mean... So what's the ultimate for them? Like, Bethany, like, mm-hmm. getting her own show. Is that what all of them want, you think? All of them want their own show, but more importantly, Bethany uh, sold her business uh, for, I think, like, $25 million. If you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> she, so a lot of them are on these shows to really advertise their own... I mean, I, I hate to say it, but their own brand, and they don't really know what they're selling yet. And if they know what they're selling going into it, that's one thing. But then some of them will get deals like jewelry or fragrance or alcohol. Um, but it really is an era in which people, you know, it's been said, but people are famous for being famous. And I think it started as a soap opera. And then the women that they want who are a little bit higher up on the social strata tend to go into it with an agenda. So that's also interesting to me. Kardashians despise them. I, I don't. I don't watch that show. It's it's too stupid to exist. I I do appreciate the Real Housewives because at least they have an education and they're older. I think right. the Kardashians are just vacant and um. I I, I just it's just too dumb for I me. Do, to, I do find it's deplorable and everything. I it hate. completely is. And that wedding, you know, in a time where like gay people can't get married is absolutely despicable. Like, how <sighs> dare they make yeah. a, a just like of all the things to do, don't make a mockery of marriage. Like in this particular slice of social change. Do you find that and and I, there was a, a wonderful quote on House. I do that all the time. I start a question and then I derail myself. Yeah. Into it's a fine. What do you mean? Works. Yeah, it works. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's good. Quote on House, where uh, House was da- dating uh, Lisa, Lisa Edelstein, and her mm-hmm. character, her mother was um, shit Murphy Brown, Candace Bergen, Candace Bergen, and she said, "So, would you convert to Judaism if you got married?" And he goes, "I'm an atheist." And she went, "Most Jews are atheists. It's about community." <laughs> That's true. She's right. And I thought that was very. Do you find that? Oh, no question. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Jonah, it's a cultural concur? distinction more than a spiritual one. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's a yeah. I'm bad at both sides of that coin. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I feel about it. <laughs> but I think that's true for sure. I learned a lot about cuz my best friend in high school was Jewish and then like in a weird way kind of fell out of it in college and just never like crossed paths, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize how much I knew about being Jewish and then when I moved to New York 
it sounds cliche, but you can ensconce with it when you meet a lot lot of people. And the majority Mm -hmm. of my friends are Jewish. Think, Mike, you might be the lone Catholic. Um, Aside from my wife, Uh, and I I learned about what helped me at the beginning of the book was learning about camp. (laughs) Oh yeah, and I didn't realize that I didn't know what a teen tour was. Really, and I didn't know like how important like camp was. It's a tradition that goes back to we didn't have country homes. We did not have an estate in Connecticut. So we would go to the Catskills. Um, you, you know, you go to like Cutner's or what is it called? Um, there were a million different resorts. So that was our version of like getting out of the Lower East Side for a weekend. And then that became summer camp. And then there was like this way to sort of escape the urban areas of New York to, to go to camp. And yeah, there are Jews that are like still friends with their camp friends and they're way too old to Refer to them as camp friends. One of my friends who's like in his mid-40s, he and his, like one of his buddies are still friends from camp. Yeah, it's weird. The guy who he's friends with or camp now runs the camp. Yeah, that's super weird. Yeah. yeah. It's and, super hardcore. Well, I grew up with all Jewish kids. I yeah. have all Jewish friends mm-hmm. and I went to camp. <laughs> like, yeah, I, literally, damn straight. I was yeah. like, I guess I'm going to camp too. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't yeah. realize that once like adolescence here's here's? Most adolescents learn to hear at 13. No, in the adolescent years, that camp just became this, and I didn't get this growing up in the suburbs of Virginia going to high school, but camp just became like just deviant school. Oh, you mean that people would hook up and have yeah. sex and stuff? Yeah, they'd learn things. Away yeah. From the home. Yeah, it's but sexy. It was- I didn't learn a lot. I went to an all-guys um, <laughs> in Hayward, Wisconsin, and I went for like four weeks one summer and then went back for eight weeks. I remember, and that was like soured me on camp forever because like two months of all dudes and i was like 15 and i remember my parents coming to visit me being like can i just go home like i know it's expensive i remember can I just, asking like, the same thing seriously pleading like, actually yeah like a month felt like it was like 10 years like it felt like a prison sentence well i i felt that way going to like i went to co-ed camp but i wasn't into it like i just didn't like it was very regimented yeah. too and they would wake us up a in the morning Oof. with uh Copacabana every morning. You're like, kidding. You went blasting to- into the bunks and uh Barry Manilow, the camp <laughs> yeah, director. No, and I, I felt like I was like, dude, you got because all my friends were like, dude, you gotta come. And they finally got me to go after and I was like, dude, this is terrible. It's like seven AM. Why are they blasting this? And after that it ruined I mean I couldn't it ruined Barry Manilow for ruined you. Ruined Barry too, Manilow probably. for me. And then I was like, oh, I actually Mandy. by the end got them to play heavy metal to at least wake us up. I was like, can somebody just throw some heavy metal on? And like whatever, and they did it. But uh I just didn't like the. It was just regimented, and it's like it was co-ed, but you could, you had to like sneak out to hang out with the girls. Yeah. Like you had to like really like. Go, it was like army. Like you had to like get like seriously like in like. It was like know. army. They played taps at night. And yeah, it was really hardcore. I and I was like, like I used to write war. home. I like wrote letters to my parents. Like, okay, I get it. Like, just just somebody <laughs> like send just somebody can, can somebody come get me? Wow, like, I'm that I didn't know that everyone here had this. Please send help. Yeah, and I then, wrote help letters. Yeah. Well, look where we are. I mean, we're not <laughs> like this. You don't want to be friends with someone who was like homecoming queen. I, I feel like it's something that it's kind of comes along with like being popular growing up. And, you know, camp sort of seemed like school part two, but much worse because there were no classes. Yeah, and the <laughs> counselors, like the counselors, were, like your teachers, except they would try to sell you porno for like 20 bucks. Oh, yeah, like, I felt like there was always like the dude is like, I got all these penthouses, 20 bucks each, and kids would be like buying them. And I was like, <gasps> yeah, this dude, is weird. seriously, or like really? a cigarette. What an or awful yeah. stereotype. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that wow. never happened to me at school. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why yeah. would they send you to Wisconsin? I'm you not guys sure. grew up in Chicago? I've, Cleveland. Oh, I see. Okay. So I you're think already... my dad went there. My dad was, 
I feel like knew the director. There was some kind of weird okay. family connection. Right. Okay. But, Interesting. Because um, that seems sort of random to be like, oh, yeah, let's send this judo. Yeah. With I went with another guy from my school. Yeah, I have no idea how I ended up there. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing where I don't barely remember it. Like, But that's what you're... I, I don't remember my first camp experience except for dribs and drabs, but that gets your mind doing you a favor. That's yeah, like a yeah. memory that you're like, It's like right. rock climbing and some other stuff oh, happened. Rock climbing? That sounds horrible. Yeah, they had one of the oh, walls, walls with the... Oh, that was, no. That was like wow. the only cool thing to do. I felt like it was... You like that. I like that and like building rockets. Here's what I did not like. Relay races. Those yeah, are dude. those are like Who human centipede style. Yeah. <laughs> like Rube yeah. Goldbergian sort like the idea that like I'd be the one to fuck everything up for everyone else and that 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 like lap going there or going back seemed like the longest time in the world and I I never tripped and fell or I, there was never kind of a pee or pants moment but it always felt like it was looming and I just Hated it. You'd go like closer and closer to the top of the line. So when you just said that, I heard you say it really quickly. So I thought you said, well, here, here's what I didn't really like, comma, really racist. And I was like, oh, oh. we're going to hear some <laughs> shit right now. What's going on? Some of my best friends are racists. Oh. <laughs> yes. Some of my relatives are racists. Are they? Well, you said you're from Virginia. I'm not yeah, I'm from North Carolina. So. Oh, I see. Where in North Carolina? Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Charlotte. Now, I, when when... When I was host working on television and I would interview someone yes. who was also a host. Yes. Do you find that having a podcast, as we have a podcast, that it's hard to answer questions without falling into, well, let me ask some? Um, I hope I, I don't think so. I just like talking. I, I have yeah. a problem, if anything, just not talking over people. I'm trying to get better about that on my own show. I don't I listen back and I cringe when I hear myself talking over people. But. Don't listen back. Don't listen, yeah. don't listen back or watch again. I, I've never watched anything well, we I ever shot. Well, I don't like watching myself because yeah. then I'll just be like do the girl thing of like, oh, I look fat or like, oh, this is not a pretty angle for my fucking face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do that even- and I hate myself when I think those thoughts, but I do. But I can hear my own voice without wanting to, you know, commit suicide. Uh, see, I've never been able really? to. Really? You hate your yeah, own voice? It's, it's, I, don't, I find my voice generic. And, I feel like everybody. And nasally. Your voice is awesome. Shut I, it. Everyone hates listening to themselves. Yeah, but you have this deep baritone that just sounds like silk. <laughs> Pavarotti. Your voice is fine. Oh, you. <laughs> I, w- I want to wrap this up with yes, something please. that I... Uh, my, yes, please. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Jonah, define, what does that mean? Um, you mentioned teaching at UCB earlier. Yes, yes. I went through four levels at UCB. Why weren't you my teacher? I don't know. I, I regret not being your teacher. Yeah. Did you take improv or did you take I, writing? Or I took both? improv. I taught writing. I never taught improv. I taught sketch writing. Okay. I taught essay writing. Oh, um, okay. And, uh, and, I, and I love doing it. And Do I, you still? I don't, but I would. I would definitely be up for teaching like at least like an intensive or a workshop mm-hmm. here and then. Um, but I, some of my students, actually one of my students just started teaching last week, which was awesome. And I was super proud and really happy and i i think um i i definitely don't think that writing and teaching writing are the same skill or people who have one don't necessarily have the other but um i learned a lot from teaching and i i would love to do it again well you you taught as a yeah, sub and that was a sub yeah but you still learn I, I think that's like i just think it's a great way to 
relate to people. How did you get connected with UCB to become a teacher? Did they ask? Was it people you knew? Yeah, I started out at UCB. I I took um, uh, my first class at UCB like 11 years or 12 years ago um, when I graduated college in 2000. I just started taking level one, level two, level three. Mm -hmm. Then I put me on a house team and I really consider uh, UCB my alma mater. Like I you know, there are people who are really into their like college and that's like me with UCB. I completely credit uh, that community for giving me opportunities. And I was just, you know, I I feel lucky to have been a part of it, but also just to kind of like do stuff there and then not feel like it's, um, I guess sometimes people get overwhelmed with like, oh, you know, do I need to be there every week? Or like they can sort of, sort of like my relationship with that place has been great and that I can always return and always do stuff and sort of come and go. And they've always felt like really supported by them, which is nice because I'm not like someone who comes from a group. Like the idea of like camp is horrifying. And it's always weird when you're used to doing stuff alone to have, to feel like you belong somewhere. There's always some, you know, I don't want to belong to a club that would have me as a member stuff, but UCB has always been a great place for me. So to go from so you started improv yes. and then and then but what intrigues me is you taught writing yes so that that's a well I got kicked off my Herald team uh, after they put me on a house improv team and that kind of was like a big that was a blow to my ego but I also realized that I wasn't meant to be an improviser necessarily and that if I really wanted to perform I would write for myself and that really got me to write for myself and then I sort of was a writer performer for a chunk of time and then I kind of became more of a writer and I feel like that's sort of honestly there's no plan but you look back and you're like oh that's how that was meant to happen was writing something you studied explicitly in school or not really I studied all kinds of stuff I took journalism classes and dramatic writing and I feel like everyone should I mean Mm -hmm. especially if your parents are paying for it like by all means you (laughs) should just like take something in every department and then because you're not going to have to figure out what you're actually doing so you're looking for work outside of uh college yeah i had that philosophy and it almost kept me from graduating but yeah it i it took me a, <laughs> an extra semester myself yeah. ridiculous so, okay that's fascinating the writing because I, I when you teach you yeah. find out quickly that you either can or you cannot yep. and it's one of those weird uh genetic things yes. where there's a way to impart information and or like you know some writers are good editors and some editors are terrible writers i mean they're just different skills mm-hmm. Wow, and you fell in. I yeah, I and I feel like it definitely. I remember you know at the time being like, I don't want to write unless I can perform, and then just sort of being like, shut up. You know, you like look back at yourself. You're like, just shut up. It's just <laughs> shut up. Oh my god, <laughs> stop yeah. whining. Like write stuff. You're so fucking lucky to be able to, and then later you'll perform again. Like calm down. Just like stop whining. You look back at yourself and you just want to like slap yourself. So the the podcast. Uh, how did that start? I, uh, Pat Oswald tweeted something that was like, when is Julie Klausner going to start a podcast? And he like publicly shamed me into starting podcasts. <laughs> but I was so grateful for the uh, suggestion because I think oftentimes like friends, well, you know, they don't want to like pressure you into stuff or pimp you into things that mm-hmm. you might be uncomfortable doing. But like that was kind of the kick in the ass I, I needed to do it because I kind of did want to do it. But I... It, it took him to be like, you should do this. And I did. And uh, I figured it out with like a um, my my friend and producer puts like the shows together physically, like with the editing and everything. And I just do the interviews and week to week sort of figure out what the show is more and more. 
So as a teacher, mm-hmm. as a writer, yes, as, someone who's as a, a podcast, woman, as a, as a <laughs> as woman, a Jewess. As a, you know, it's the Jewess term. I love it. It's very sexy. Very sexy. And Is people it? think I'm being offensive <laughs> when I say it. I'm like, oh, she's a Jewess. <laughs> what would people? I don't know, because people are obnoxious. The Hasidic women in the supermarket, yeah. you're like, move it, Jewess. Negress you can find offensive. Oh, Some you can't say that. You can't. You can't. No. And I wouldn't. So as a teacher, yes, as a podcast person, as a woman. how are we doing? Any, how are we doing? Any, any notes? <laughs> Wendy Williams. Any notes? We're Not n- bad. We're new. You guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're yeah. doing great. How, how many shows have you guys done so far? This is our ninth. That's, you've got plenty in the can. Yeah. I don't think of you as newbies. Yeah. You just keep doing it. Yeah, we're going to. I we don't like see it. why you wouldn't. Yeah. I think it's, I, um, how often do you guys put out a show? We, at um, the moment, not. We haven't we, put one out yet. Oh, I see. You're hoarding them. Yeah. Hoarding. And then you want to yeah, do yeah, like yeah. one a week <laughs> yeah, or one yeah. a month. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's I one a week. look forward to downloading this very episode and listening to more. Do you, do you, do you listen to podcast? Do you drive? You, you take I the train in. I drive but train and, and I, I do like, a lot of yard work. I feel like that's where you listen to <laughs> podcasts is. Um, in the car, I know people in LA listen to podcasts a lot more right. than. Do you feel like you, you can't know? write when you're listening to a podcast? Oh, no, qu- no question. But you try to do it all the time. I or like even like send an email when you yeah. hear like yeah, definitely you can't. It's really tough, I think, to find because I don't want to listen to them when I'm exercising necessarily. Right. Um, I I guess like on the subway is good, but then yeah. you're like, then you're there, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, so it's it's I think driving is like the perfect. Way to like listen to many have a one sided conversation. I think it's nice to have like a voice there keeping yeah. you company. And a in a in a perfect world, that's what podcasts to me are mm-hmm. like. You know, you're talking to your friend, or you're listening to your friend in your ear, and it's intimate. And yeah, <laughs> well, we are beyond thrilled to have had you. Thank here. you so much for having Can me. I do something. I I'm trying not to do this anymore, but I wanted to bring it back to. You the make me smell your arm. Beginning. <laughs> yeah, totally. We're gonna bring it back to my I trust armpits. you. I believe you. Believe do it. Me. Just because I forgot to throw this in before, and this is strictly just for anyone else. Take it back to the monkeys. Yes. And then please from monkeys. This is again my brain. Uh, Amy Dolan's made me think of. And she's has, out of control. Has anyone ever seen the movie Miracle Beach, starring Amy Dolan's Pat Morita and Alexis Arquette? Where she's a genie who grants wishes to like, no, <laughs> nobody. Hold on, hold on, I'm writing this down. Here. All right, I can't you believe have to, you guys have. You never have seen to see it. this no, because it. it's one of those things where it's like I still somehow catch it randomly, like late night on HBO, and it's amazing. It's I can't even believe that it was, but like Jonah, Mike handed me a DVD <laughs> of Mike Patton's movie Firecracker. Did you know that existed? <laughs> nope. I'm What's we- it about? I don't know. It's it, listen. Like Mike Patton plays <laughs> like two characters in it. Yeah, it's insane. He plays like a carny. Uh, you know. Anyway, Miracle, Miracle Beach. Miracle Beach. It's Amy Dolan's is a genie, Obviously. and Pat Morita is like her her boss. But he plays on Earth. He's he's a pretend. He's a he plays a homeless person that she doesn't know is her boss watching her because this is her last shot at like she's gonna get trapped in a bottle if she doesn't do her job right because each time she screws it up. Have you guys considered doing a weekly recap where he just describes a movie? <laughs> that would be a great feature. I would just suggest um, that off the bat. Yeah, like, a movie with a really convoluted plot. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or, or yeah. like it could be a movie that you've heard of or not, but just like have him describe a movie. We're trying to keep this as format less as possible, yeah. but I like that I idea. I think that might be a good recurring feature. Yeah. Mike, Mike, Thanks, this yeah. stuff uh, naturally comes out of Mike, actually. <laughs> and I had to bring it up, and I was hoping maybe someone... I wish I had. I, I saw her work in She's Out of Control with Tony And Danza. also Witchboard 2, if you haven't seen. I'm She's going to that one. <laughs> <laughs> seems like a which, waste of my time. To take yeah, Witchboard 1. Witchboard you know, 2, legal music. 
Which board two, red, white, and board? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, updated that. It used to be which board two, electric boogaloo, but yes, it's trying to red, keep white, with the Electric board. boogie board? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Sorry. Cool. Don't be sorry. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad to have given that to you. Well, thank you. And at some point, I'd we would like to it. emulate your show. We want to do a couple of live ones ourselves. Yeah. But with I bands. would love to, to, to attend uh, those those fi- those live shows that you just mentioned. You should come on it, yet. this fictional thing to. that might exist in the future. I'm happy to always do that all awesome. the time. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Thank you Thank so you, much. Julie. I think Julie has risen to the top of the list of my favorite people ever. Yeah, you guys are on a different level that I felt like I couldn't really follow at points. <laughs> she it's not that she was into the monkeys, but she knew records that I had forgotten about, which is rare. I kind of remember albums. And then all the stuff she's doing. Okay, one, we have to get Ted Leo in here. Yes. Just yeah. period. But two, he's her Paul Schaefer. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. And he's hilarious. And then she she kind of blew him up by saying he drinks more than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's like super like vegan guy that you would normally associate with someone being straight edge. He's like, oh no, this is a horrible, horrible drunk. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, please go out and buy Julie's book. Jonah? Yes. It's what? called I Don't Care About Your Band. Because I'm going to screw <laughs> it. And uh, Ted was at the live taping that I went to. That, oh, the one you attended? The one I actually did attend, yes. Okay. And he was the band leader, much like Paul Schaefer. And uh, it was great. That's called recapping. Yes. Well done. All right. We'll see you guys next week. See, you don't see on podcasts. That's just dumb. You will hear us, and we will hope you are hearing us on next week's podcast. Adios. Adios.